Welcome back to another episode of Planet PG. In the last episode, we talked about ego defenses. There are a few other slightly random things that we need to know. So I thought in this episode I would discuss them. There are learning theory that is conditioning and its types, and psychosexual stages of development given by again the father of modern psychology, none other than Sigmund Freud. Also, some other high-yielding miscellaneous topics. There are basically two types of conditioning. classical and operant classical conditioning has a very classical example we all know the famous dog right pavlov's dog we are not students of science if we haven't read about this experiment in school and become utterly fascinated so let's see this once again to understand classical conditioning classical conditioning deals with involuntary responses initially the dog salivates whenever he sees food well we do too right Anyway, salivation is an involuntary response of the dog to food, which is a stimulus. Then Pavlov started ringing a bell every time he presents the dog with food. So gradually in the dog's mind it associates the bell with food and the next time it hears the bell it salivates. It's still an involuntary response but now the stimulus is a conditioned stimulus. It's a learned behavior. If you ring the bell to another dog it won't salivate because it is not conditioned. but if you show this unconditioned dog food it will salivate so the food is an unconditioned stimulus so in classical conditioning we have two types one with unconditioned stimulus that is food and another is conditioned stimulus that is the bell a friend of classical conditioning is operant conditioning this deals with voluntary responses and is given by p f skinner in this we influence the actions of the target with rewards and punishment there are two key concepts here one is reinforcement and another is punishment reinforcement is basically increasing behavior and punishment is decreasing behavior again this can be positive or negative positive is adding stimulus and negative is removing stimulus so a positive reinforcement is increasing behavior by adding stimulus which is pretty straightforward for example giving the kid praises every time she makes her bed so now she is more likely to make her bed which is increasing behavior and praises are adding stimulus so a positive one on the other hand negative reinforcement is slightly difficult to comprehend but with this example it should be pretty easy let's say you want your kid to clean her room you say to her if she cleans her room she won't have to help with the dishes so now in order to avoid doing a chore she hates that is doing dishes she'll clean her room we are still increasing the behavior that is cleaning the room but we are doing this by taking away what she dislikes that is by removing a aversive stimulus so this is a negative reinforcement coming to positive punishment our goal with punishment is to decrease the unwanted behavior and positive punishment is adding a stimulus which is aversive for example spanking your child for misbehaving so in order to avoid spanking the child stops misbehaving negative punishment is telling your kid that he can't watch his favorite tv show if he throws tantrums at the mall So now we are removing a desired stimulus that is negative and so he decreases unwanted behavior which is punishment. So if you stop this reinforcements for a long period of time eventually the learned behavior is eliminated. This is called extinction. It is seen in both classical and operant conditioning. The dog stops salivating if on ringing the bell he is not presented with food for a long period. Two other things that are important to know are transference and counter transference. Transference is the patient projecting feelings about another important person in his life onto the physician. For example, 
patient considering the physician a parent because of some resemblance or a feeling. Countertransference is physician projecting feelings onto the patient. Similarly, in the above example, physician considering the patient as a kid. These phenomena are usually seen in therapy, so the therapist must be aware of them. Now let's jump into Sigmund Freud's psychosexual stages of development. These are very straightforward memory-based questions that we usually get. However, they can ask what psychiatric disorder is seen if the patient fixates or regresses to any one of these stages. Remember fixation and regression from previous episode? Fixation is remaining at a more childish level of development and regression is reverting back to a childish stage after outgrowing it. There are basically five stages. They are oral, anal, phallic, latent and genital stage. Oral stage is from birth to one and a half years. Anal stage is from one and a half years to three years. And if a person fixates or regresses to anal stage, he is more likely to get OCD. Phallic stage is from three years to five years. And in this stage, there is a complex named after famous Greek mythology hero. Guessed it? Oedipus complex. O-E-D-I-P-U-S, right? This is when the male child unconsciously develops desire for mother and aggression towards the father. And another complex called Electra complex. In this, the daughter unconsciously developing desire for the father and a sense of competition with her mother. The daughter saying she wants to marry her father. Fixation at this stage is primarily associated with neurosis and hysteria. Latent stage is from 5 years to 12 years. During this period, the child usually learns worldly skills. Genital stage is from 12 years till adulthood. Let's now discuss electroconvulsive therapy. As the name suggests, we use electricity to induce convulsions that are therapeutic. There are two types, direct ECT and indirect ECT. Indirect, anesthetic agents and muscle relaxants were not used, so there were high incidence of fractures and key dislocations. So we don't do this now. We do modified or indirect ECT in which both anesthetic agents and muscle relaxants are used. The anesthetic agent of choice is methohexitol but propofol and thiopentone can also be used. Best one is methohexitol sodium which is an IV anesthetic. Methohexitol actually lowers the seizure threshold, a property that makes it particularly useful in electroconvulsive therapy. It is short acting with a rapid onset of action, really the ideal for ECT. Do you know what kind of convulsions are induced in ECT? They are generalized tonic-clonic convulsions. So how does this bizarre treatment work? Shocking patient's brain, right? It is said to cause changes in the neurotransmitters and increase the brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is BDNF, and also said to induce neurogenesis in the hippocampus of the brain. Then what are the indications? We don't do it for all psych patients, right? Its main indication is for treating refractory depression, that is depression that is intolerant to drugs. If we suspect a patient with acute suicidal risk, ECT is recommended. Also, ECT is considered first-line treatment in catatonic schizophrenia. We will discuss more about schizophrenia in a future episode. So what are the adverse effects? They include disorientation, temporary headache, partial amnesia, usually retrograde, that is inability to remember things before ECT. Sometimes anterograde amnesia, that is inability to remember things after the CNS insult, both usually resolving within 6 months. If the seizure continue for more than 180 seconds, that is 3 minutes, then they should be stopped by giving, yes, benzodiazepines. 
There are no absolute contraindications for ECT. It is also safe in pregnancy and elderly. But if asked a question, then answer brain tumor or any condition that raises the intracranial pressure because that can cause brain herniation if ECT is given. Coming to psychotherapy, we have behavioral therapy and cognitive therapy, which we often combine as CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. This is considered the single most effective treatment for depression. It is administered in combination with antidepressants. There is a book by David Burns called Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy, which discusses how CBT is effective and also gives some practical tips to self-administer CBT. Check it out if you are interested. CBT has several tools in its arsenal to combat depression and other psychiatric disorders like anorexia, bulimia and others. They are usually not asked, but just so you know, it includes social skills training, aversive therapy, systemic desensitization. Cognitive therapy is used to identify and correct negative automatic thoughts and cognitive distortions like all or nothing thinking, approval seeking, overgeneralization, personalization, constantly blaming self and others to name a few. Okay, let's discuss one last topic that is neuropsychological test. There's nothing to really explain in this, they are simply memory based. That we need to remember because, yes, even though the pattern is getting more clinical, these facts are still tested. Test for IQR, Weschler's Adult Intelligence Scale, Malin's Intelligence Scale of Indian Children, and Bhatia's Battery of Performance Test. Weschler, that is W-E-C-H-S-L-E-R, is the most widely used. Weschler, W, so widely. Bhatia, Malin, and Weschler in BMW, that has a battery. In order to be able to afford a BMW, they had to be very intelligent with high IQ. Just something silly for you to remember. Weschler, Bhatia and Malin. Several tests for personality are objective tests, that is MMPI, Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory Test. It is a pen and paper test with a bunch of questions. The famous Rorschach test, that is R-O-R-S-C-H-A-H test. Ink blot test. The person is asked to tell what he is seeing and based on the nature of his answers, his personality is assessed. A similar one is thematic appreciation test where the person is shown a picture and asked to make a story. This is a subjective test and MMPI is objective. Other tests include sentence completion test, I wish I dash. Patient is asked to complete this sentence. Word association technique. This is a fun game we play. Say a word and whatever comes to your mind you utter without thinking. Draw a person test, DAPT. The drawing is analyzed. You should look it up. It's pretty amusing. Like if the person draws toes instead of shoes, that means he's showing aggression. Just remember the names, that's more than enough. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory and you don't have to really make an effort to remember because you can easily pick them out from the options. Bender Gestalt Test is a screening tool for organic mental disorder. B-E-N-D-E-R-G-E-S-T-A-L-T Halstead Retain Battery Test is another test for assessing organic mental disorder. H-A-L-S-T-E-A-D-R-E-I-T-A-N So that's it. These are the various tests that they can ask. So in this episode, I chose to discuss this random thing so that we can dive into psychiatric proper from the next one. Stay tuned for those. Let me leave you with this. You don't have to remove self-doubt to start. When you start, you remove self-doubt. More often than not, we stand in our own way of progress. Your mind will conjure up a million doubts to stop your progress. You just have to start to know your strengths and weaknesses and then work on them to improve. Don't mind your mind and walk the path of progress. On that note, 
Also, this podcast will be available to you on Spotify, Google Podcast and other podcasting apps of your choice. If you prefer to listen to your podcast on YouTube, I am planning to release them there. If you want daily questions in the mornings and easy ways to learn facts, check out my Instagram page where I plan to post them. Again, thank you so much for listening. Hope you learned a lot. Stay tuned for more.